Hey guys, welcome to season two, episode eleven of Embrace the Image podcast. As always, I'm your host Elroy Martinez Jr., and today I have another special guest, Mike Kelleher. Mike, I keep I feel like I keep saying your name wrong. <laughs> Please tell me I'm saying it right. You are saying it right. It's funny you say that because people usually screw it up. It's Kelleher, about as Irish as you can possibly get. So uh, no, you're saying it right. Awesome, awesome. So Mike, you know. For a lot of people, if you haven't been watching my films and waiting to the credits, you'll see that in most of the films, a lot of the films, uh, music composer is Mike. And he's been awesome at, you know, assisting me with the music compositions of, you know, my films. And I'm very grateful to have him alongside, you know, to work with and being able to, you know, just connect with you, Mike. And I, and I, I can't stress enough how it's been a great it's been a great thing to have you for the music because I, I, even though I like searching like online for, you know, royalty free music and all that, Uh it's, it's different to have somebody else who you actually can talk to and, you know, have back and forth with and that type of connection. Yes. So I always appreciate it. And I, you know, as an artist, I know that's something that we always talk about as far as, you know, getting work and gigs and being, being able to get paid for work. So, you know, I'm always in support of you and, You've always supported me. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to do on my podcast as well was to get your name out there for any listeners out there who may be like us artists that, you know, we can reach out. So, yeah, introduce yourself. Speak a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks a lot, man. The, the, believe me, the pleasure is also all mine. I, I really love working with you. You know, I was trying to remember <laughs> which film it was that you and I first worked together on. I know it wasn't yours, but you were one of the actors in it. And I, forget, and I think we just made a Facebook friendship there. And I didn't know at that time. I thought you were just this actor, you know, and you're great. You're great at that. So that would be plenty. And then, and then you're like, oh, hey, I make films, too. And I thought, oh, my God, this guy does this, too. And as we started the back and forth, I really like working with you because you have a clear image of what you want your film to look like and what you want it to feel like. And you're real open and expressive about what you're looking for and what kind of sounds you want. And you feel comfortable going, well, that's okay. That part's like this, but how about more like that? And I just, I enjoy that collaboration with you. You know, it's really, uh, I feel fortunate to have people like you that I magically come across, however it ended up happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I honestly remember when it happened and I can tell you it was with, so I we we don't talk anymore, but remember uh, Gypsy Rose? Oh yeah, uh huh. It was yeah. So it was in the film, uh, it was a film that her and I wrote, Colors of Kismet. Oh, I remember. Okay, that's right. I, that I, was the first. Yeah, one. I that was the first film because she had told me that oh I know a composer and we can get somebody for music and I was like sure and then that was how I was introduced to you and then from there on we've done at least yeah what are we doing? a few other projects yeah like, <laughs> a bunch of stuff yeah. Aphrodite, which uh, was not so long ago, we did um, subconscious. Two others, like, I, subconscious, yeah, yep. subconscious. I think subconscious was the third or second after Colors of Kismet. Like, yeah, that sounds about and, right. Yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of short films, and for the most part, you've had a you know hand in in them. And you know, I would love to continue working with you on other ones, especially Aries, which yeah. I sent you the. Uh, the coming soon poster it's in writing stages right now but yes guys if you're hearing it first aries is the sequel to aphrodite that is happening mike 
he did the you know he did the music composition. Am I saying that composition or music composing? Or... I think either either. I don't get too hung up on that. I, I know some dudes do. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did the music for you know Aphrodite, and I you know I'm excited to see you do Aries if you have the time if you're able to like Aries is for you, and you already know that. And it's honestly it's gonna be darker than Aphrodite, so I can't wait to see the type of music that you'll play with for that like that dramatic and that. Dark, dark, yeah, and it's yeah. it's funny, man. There's something I like about doing that that dark stuff, and I don't know why. I'm actually a pretty buoyant, light-hearted guy. I'm a pretty positive guy, but yeah, some of the music I, I, I sometimes put mean. together. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. I'm the same way, but there's something about the darkness that's attracting. Weird, right? Some to some degree, you know. So yeah, maybe that's why we work so well together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, so I I really want to. I haven't had conversations much with you in your journey, mm-hmm. but. I was always interested, like, when did you start, you know, getting into music and composing? Like, was that something you did as a, as a child or later later on in life that you got interested in? It's a, it's a really interesting wandering story. Um, and I haven't had a chance to tell it much. It's kind of exciting to be able to share it with you and oh. then also share it with your listeners, too. Uh, it's I started as a guitar player. My father was a guitar player. I grew up with him playing guitar around the house. And I didn't play it myself, but it was always around. He was like a folk guitar guy. So he liked Simon and Garfunkel and Crosby, Stills and Nash and that kind of stuff. And so he would be in folk groups at church and things like that. And then when I was about 13, a friend of mine turned me on to uh, like metal bands, like hard rock bands, you know, with these guitar players that are playing a very different style of guitar. And I was like, ooh, I was like, I want that. So I got a guitar and started learning and joined a band and started a band in high school. And so did these various bands for years, some of them like heavy metal thrash bands, you know, like like Slayer, Testament, Metallica yeah. type stuff, you know, and uh, had some success there. And then various iterations changed, ended up being in a band with an old friend of mine that was kind of like our intention was to be like heavy Southern rock, like Black Sabbath and Leonard Skinner mixed together, swampy, detuned slide guitar stuff. And it was cool. And by some dumb luck, we got signed to this stoner rock label out of Detroit called Small Stone Records. Nice. And they had this partnership with a company called Rumblefish, which did music licensing. I didn't even know what that was. And they're like, hey, do you want to sign up with these guys? We're like, sure. Next thing you know, we get told that uh, HBO has contacted them and they want to use one of our songs on The Sopranos. I was like, are you shitting me? Yeah, we'll do that. So we signed some paperwork, letting them do that. We joined ASCAP. And episode season five of episode five, it's called Irregular Around the Margins. Our song is like in the background of one scene. You can barely hear it. It's in there, but it was fucking cool. It was like this is like 2002. I bought a blank VHS tape to record it off my TV so I could show it to everybody and all this stuff. And I was happy with just that. And then a couple of weeks go by and the checks start coming in. And it's like, hey, here's a check for 200 bucks. We, we aired that episode you know, 19 times. And this kept going for like years, like years. I would get checks and it wasn't like crazy money. It wasn't like screw you money. It was like, yeah, here's 200 bucks. Here's 300 bucks. Here's 600 bucks. I was like, holy crap. I was like, wait, you can make money at this. And uh, so my wife at the time had just had our daughter. I have a full-time job, you know, music's just my passion. I just like to do it. So I started putting more energy towards, well, I wonder if I could write music and record it myself and license it. So I started buying some music equipment and I, I'm a guitar player guy, so I didn't know about keyboards and I just kind of bought some stuff and got some software and started faking my way through it and started having some luck with people on YouTube. Like you were saying earlier, you know how you like to search for music, the royalty free stuff. Yeah. I was finding that I was getting people to respond to some of my stuff. And so that made me go, 
well, what would it be like to work with you know, a director or something and write something specifically for a project and try to fit it in? And so that's where I started. I actually sat on Google and I would, I would Google search for, in quotes, I would, I would look for like composer needed or film music needed and just troll right. like whatever message boards would come across and email random people. And, uh, you know, that, that just kept going and kept going and kept going. And here you and me are. That's how we connected. It was a dumb, crazy mistake, but it's awesome. I love it. That's, that's, that, I've never knew that. So that's really cool. Like to be able to have your work on an HBO show. And that's that royalty that you get from, you know, episodes being played. And that's one of the great things that you can do as an artist is to put your stuff out there and just receive the checks and even just the recognition over time. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, you know, if my acting career can take off and I'm in a show and it was even if it was only for one season, but it gets played throughout, like you will still be receiving some form of money. Yeah. I know I see things like uh, one of the comedians, he's like, oh, I just got one cent or two cents from <laughs> royalty <laughs> check. I've had a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's still pretty cool because, you know, it's like down the line over time you never know what other gigs you may get and that those checks can be even bigger so that's i didn't know that i didn't know you had a daughter so you know congrats on that happy late father's day to you on that Um, (laughs) yeah she's 14 and she's awesome i I figure if she uh she's willing to spend any time around me as a teenage girl then uh i'm doing pretty good (laughs) (laughs) nice is she into music as well or she's doing she uh she's super into k-pop okay I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's, it's the Korean I, pop I, music. Yeah, Korean pop, yeah. Yeah, she's super into that stuff. And, you know, I'm not a musical snob. I mean, you know, some some people are like, that's just fucking bubblegum music or whatever. And I'm I'm just not that way. I'm like, listen, man, <laughs> whatever resonates with a person is what's important. Sorry, I just yeah, swore. Definitely. I don't know if we're supposed to do that on your podcast. Oh, I could care less. That's fine. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. So, and that's the thing, like, I've seen people reach out to me for composing music. Oh, I've seen your, you know, your film on IMDb and blah, blah, blah. But I get hesitant to work with other people who haven't really established a type of relationship, whether it was over the internet or if I met you, but if, and and I get it. That's how, like you said, you've done it. You reached out to people, but I've always got, got hesitant. So I just never responded. And I, I kind of feel back because I don't want to look like a jerk. But I've, right. gotten, I've gotten that. I, I know where you're coming from when it comes to that. And the thing for me, I haven't really put myself out there to audition for roles, funny enough. A lot of the roles no that, kidding. You, that you know that I put out myself out there, it's either my work, which, you know, I know when I'm doing my own stuff, it falters because I take on a lot of the editing, the directing. And mm-hmm. when you do all that and you're not so, you know, 100% in each category, you kind of see the things that, oh, I could have done this better, or damn, I, you know, with my limitations of crew, this shot could have been so much better. So, like, you know, I, even though I put my work out there, I always know there are things that could have been better. But I realize, and this is something I've been thinking about recently, is that the people that I have done projects for have been people that have been, you know, made befriended. And mm-hmm. they, they asked me to audition. So not all the roles I just get handed to me. I would still audition for them and I've gotten them. But I realized a lot of my work, as far as the acting, as far as acting, is so much better in their work versus mine, if that makes sense. Mm. Because I yeah, guess that's in, interesting. My, in, in my mindset, I'm directing, I'm editing in my mind, but I'm also acting. So it's like I'm affected by all of that versus just working on someone's project where I'm just the actor. 
And that's something yeah. that I've noticed and I, and I see it when I watch my films. And I think my best work, funny enough, is the two silent films because I'm not really, I'm, I'm acting, but it's silent and I'm more like, it's, it's a different feeling. Yeah, so I, feel like I could I imagine that. Acting-wise, yeah. And what's funny is that, well, now that we're, you know, I'm on the podcast, by the way, Mission X Lover Guys is nominated Best Concept at the Brightside Siren Film Festival. So let's hope to bring a win on that. But going back to, you know, that, it's like, I realize you really need to have, for me, I think I just need to have a director or a Mm co-director in my project so that they can really direct me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know it's funny for Aphrodite, uh, Madison, who was the my co-star, mm-hmm. and the scene where I'm like pouring myself out to her, you know, the, my oh, love yeah. for her. I think that was the best acting within that whole scene because she was actually like directing me, and she would like, give me like, "Hey, do this and let's do this again." So I never really had that in my films, but she took the initiative to kind of direct me. And I'm open to that because, you know, I know I need the, you know, I need the assistance. So when people are able to kind of like tell me things, I don't get caught up in or quick, oh, I'm the director or this and that. So she did help me for that scene. So that was probably like the best scene acting wise that you can really see it. But yeah, I, I tend to say that my acting tends to falter in my own films because of me having so many, you know, categories on my list. Yeah, you're trying to take care of all this different stuff. And and so, first of all, that that doesn't come across at all to me. You know, that part of why I like uh, working with you, not just you as the director, but you as the actor, is that you come across like a real person. Like, I've never tried to act in front of a camera. I don't know what that's like. Uh, and you seem to be able to do that, and you get the sense of you as a person. I really get – I'm the type of person when I'm watching a film, I get lost in the characters and the story. And you come across as natural – and organic to me. And so when I'm looking at this scene over and over again, and I'm watching you, the way you're saying a line to, you know, your, your co-star, I'm in that moment with you and I'm feeling that emotion that you're projecting and that you're portraying. And so that, that helps me get to the place where we get to music and, and kind of like what you were saying, you say, you feel like you, you do better work when you have a director. I have something similar where you know I can write music on my own, which is I can just sit down here and put a piece of music together and I can flesh out this great thing. But there's something about the challenge of when, like when I'm working with you, it's like, okay, from the two minute and 23 second mark until the four minute and 15 second mark, I need a piece of music that has this mood, but then I'm also having to make sure it's quiet when there's a part of dialogue we want to hear, or if there's an action cue I'm trying to hit. And there's all these limits there's all these borders that I have to paint in between. And uh, whereas if I'm doing something on my own, I can do whatever the hell I want, you know, yeah. but there's something about the magic of I'm trying to hit your vision. And then there's these not barriers, but, but guidelines like lane stripes and on the highway that I kind of go, let me stay in this lane for a little bit. Cause I think it will serve the scene. And there's something about that, that restriction, something about that box trying to be creative in that spot. So I can kind of see what you mean working for a director. It's probably a very similar process, I bet. Yeah, and, and you do a great job on that. Like, you know what scenes are important. Like you said, the dialogue, okay, the music needs to be lowered. And mm-hmm. you, you're really good at telling as far as what needs to be heard. And, cause, you know, it wasn't you, in the beginning. There's a couple out there I'm not super proud of, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that when I first started acting, I, I did, I was... So when I first started acting, I was 25. I put myself out there. 
and I don't think I've ever told you this, but I was a really shy guy. I was really shy. I was, you know, depressed in my early 20s. I was just, I don't have nothing going for me. Like, I want to do this and that, but... Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, I think it was for a lot of us. So when I was 25, I finally made the attempt to do a workshop. Mm. And that workshop, Lori Key, who I, you know, we keep in contact through Facebook. Maybe we make mm-hmm. sure we'll speak here and there. We're just rare, but we like each other's stuff. And, you know, I don't like to bother people, but she holds a, a place in my heart because through her classes, I was able to open myself up as a person. And, I, you know, there's a lot of things because of acting and that workshop that build me up as far as what I do now for work. You know, mm-hmm. just acting in general and just meeting new people and going on dates, like all these things I'm able yeah. to do now with confidence. And it was funny because I remember when I first had to perform when I went to the class, like my lip would twitch because I was nervous. <laughs> like my lip would literally be twitching and I'm performing. And now that's just, I can just go up in front of people and yeah, you may get a little nervous, but sure, I'm ready to just say what I got to say and a lot of the time it's just I got to think about what I'm going to say before I say it so it's not the nervousness versus what am I saying that I'm prepared to say oh yeah but, you know you said you don't know how you would look you know on camera I can tell you Mike when I first when I did a camera class with her mm-hmm. I was like I am so like this isn't for me <laughs> it was <laughs> that bad but I just kept on and on and then I got my first audition through some friends when I was doing this uh this play group that somebody told me about it and I auditioned it was out of five guys and I got the first role it was like my first role and I was super excited and it was a long short it was a long shoot for a short film mm-hmm. it, it took like a year because there was a, a big hiatus oh yeah but uh you know I did it and I was so excited and watching this guy create his own short film inspired me to create my own short film so I did kind of like, Hey, if that guy could do it, I could do you it. Know, so I bought a camera. I bought, I had an iMovie, which, you know, really isn't the greatest yeah. for that, but I had all these things and I, you know, I had two short films that I put out there and I, it's not out there anymore. I think I have a disc for, I think I might have them in disc form, <laughs> but they were trash. <laughs> I hear it, dude. They were <laughs> I trash. know what you mean. Some of my early ones that I did, I mean, I just, I, I cringe watching them and they're, they're, they're hard to find. So it's not like they're all over the place. Yeah. And it and it's not the director's work at all. It's just I didn't know what I was doing, and I was just like you. I, I bought some stuff. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'm just like, well, let me try. And you know, I'd be using crappy sounding instruments, and I'm like, that trumpet sounds like it's coming out of a Casio keyboard from 1982. And I would just cringe, and it's too loud, and you can't hear what he says there. And but uh, you know, you and me, people like us, I think, um, you know, we really we're both we really are artists. That's why we work well together and i get what you mean when you when you discovered that part of yourself when you started to embrace that art that artist that actor that director that guy that dude that was in you i can imagine that that made you more comfortable in your life because you were getting to know and getting in touch with more of a part that's you that's always been there you just had to turn your attention toward it you know that's definitely yeah that's so true because it really it really elevated me as a person Mm mm-hmm but, you know, talking about instruments, so, you know, music is very important to film. Mm-hmm. Anyone out there, if you're listening, if you don't know the process and you know there is music, but music really elevates a film project. And I can say that because in my first two films, there was no music. <laughs> it it was makes a big difference. Dialogue. <laughs> Only music was at the end. Like oh, the for credits. credits, yeah. But you want to know how I did that? So I had... 
uh, piano thing on my iPhone. Oh, so yeah. I would put it next to my my laptop and re- hit record, and I press like you know, the piano keys, and Holy I made. Crap. And you know, for um, there was one for I think it was my moment with death, the first one I did. Mm-hmm. It was such a simple note, but it was effective for the for that project that I was really proud of. Yeah. The other one, the second one was more like it was drums hitting at the end, mm-hmm. dun, 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 as the credits is going up, and I'm like. <laughs> And I'm like, I can't do that anymore. I need to learn to find composing music, you know, composers or just music that I can download for free. Yeah. And ever since I started doing that, it's really helped elevate, you know, my 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 projects. And I love like searching for music and playing with the tones or like even with you when I'm like, hey, this is something that I've heard from here. Yeah. Obviously, I don't want you to copy it, but if you can, this is the feel, feel yeah. that mood, yeah. And you've done that, and it's 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 it's, it's cool. It, it really. Like I said, it elevates the project a lot, and it makes me happy as the artist. So, sorry, there's cool. an annoying phone ringing in the background. I'm gonna ignore it, but it's gonna annoy people for a second. So, <laughs> it's cool. I think I get I get a lot of that in like the streets, the motorcycles revving up and all that. <laughs> Good, I'm not the only one. So, but no, you're you're so, you're so right on, man. And that's the thing, uh, you know, music. It's it's sometimes it's just about choosing the right thing. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be even hard or complicated. It's just what fits and what feels right, and I don't know. There's, there's a magic in that process. I kind of feel like composing for, for films is like, I I almost feel like I'm the highlighter pen. It's an interesting challenge because I want to make a piece of music that's compelling. That's pleasant to hear, but I don't want the people watching the film to really notice the music in a, in a direct way, unless it's a scene where you want the music to be leading. But if there's a dialogue, if there's some action that's happening on the screen, I want them to feel the emotions that we're trying to push across with the music, but I don't want them to stop listening to the dialogue and go, Hey, listen to those drums. They sound really cool because then I'm, I'm taking away from that scene. That's not serving the scene. That's not serving the film. It's disrespectful to the directors, disrespectful to the actors. Uh, So I, it's an interesting kind of tightrope walk where I, I want to keep it interesting and I want to see if I can give people goosebumps at the right spot, but not distract from the film. And that, that little magic Valley in there is where, I, I'm always striving to be. And that's good because it goes to show that you're aware of, you know, the process of the film itself, not just mm-hmm. from a composing standpoint, but the idea of, okay, these two actors are talking, or this is the theme that's going on right now, the moment. So, you know, it goes to show that there's no selfishness nope. in your part, you know, that like, yeah, you want to put your music out there, but you realize it's, it's all a story. Everything, is, you know, comes together. And that's yep. how I feel with, you know, film, you know, books, video games. To me, they're all the same, but in different mediums, you know, music, they're all yeah. the same because it's just, it's different. Like, you know, when I'm playing a video game, or at least mainly role-playing games, it's more mm-hmm. like you're reading a story, but you, you have to play through it. But there's stories. And, you know, a lot of people, oh, I don't play video games. And it's like, well, if you're a reader, you can be missing out on something that you would love yeah. had it been a book. It's all storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, and they, they all go together together for me, and that's why I just love like that whole just art in general. And I tell people, you know, if you're doing something, whether you're an artist, you know, drawing or an artist, you know, composing music, like stick with it, don't give up on it. And I'm I'm always like just in support of people that are just in the arts and anything. It doesn't have to be acting, making films, but anything. Yeah. It's like go after it, make it happen, put yourself out there. 
Yeah, you feel that part of yourself because, man, it, it's it's a language. It's a language that your heart and your mind speaks. And if you don't spend time to develop it and and lean into that language, you you're not really fully sharing yourself with the world. You're not really fully experiencing life. There's something about creating an art, a piece of art, regardless of what it is, where it elicits a feeling from somebody. You know, it doesn't matter if it sells a bunch, if it makes you a bunch of money, gets your name famous or anything. That, that part's all secondary. Sure, I want that. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to have, you know, fuck you money from all, from yeah, some yeah. art project you had, you know? But uh, it's not really about that. It's about going, man, if I, if I can just make somebody feel something in, in a way that's constructive and good for them, then, man, that's that's success right there. And that's the beautiful thing, at least for me. You know, I don't do this full-time. I have a full-time career. I've been working in critical facilities management for 20 years. I mean, I support one of the big banks and all their, all their facilities up and down the East coast. So I have this day job that pays the bills. So sometimes people are like, do you just do music in your spare time? And I say, well, yes, but that, that doesn't feel right because it's my, it's my, it's all my time. So this isn't spare. This isn't on the back burner. It's just, I'm choosing to pay the bills for me and my daughter and take care of us with a, an actual career. And then that gives me the the resources to take my time and choose what film projects I want to work on. I have friends of mine who are full-time composers and they're great, but they are hustling every single day to get every single gig to support their family. And they're awesome at it, but it took them years and years and years to get that. And I, the way my path kind of unfolded, I wasn't prepared as a young guy with a small baby at home at the time. And that was back when I was still married where you know, I was trying to build a life and I was, I was reluctant to just jump in and go, look, I might make money this month or I might not. I was like, I got to make money. And there was a struggle there for a while. It did take a while to get to the place where I felt like I was giving enough attention to music and not letting work and the day-to-day -day paying bills get in the way. But I've come to this kind of nice place where I feel good about it. I feel like, okay, this allows me to choose what I'm going to get involved in. And if there's a project, like if you and me are doing something, you're like, I really hear cellos in this. And if I don't have a cello instrument, I can go get some, you know, I can go purchase and procure those things and not have to be like, shit, I can't do it. So it's, it really all helps facilitate it. You know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a really fun dance. Yeah. Me. I think it's important to, you know, a lot of people, they want to, you know, oh, I'm going to move to LA, for example, I want to be an actor. Yeah. And it's like, I can't do that because I need to make money like, now for me you know i can't just say oh yeah i'm gonna just go out there live out there and i'm gonna see if i can find work yeah or i want to at least you're in new york things. you know yeah you know and that's the thing like i love new york as you know expensive as it's been getting but like i live with family still it's it works yeah, for yeah. me you know it's not free i'm from, I'm from long island i told you i'm a new york guy too at heart so but, yeah you know. <laughs> i mean and, and i love new york like i don't want to go to la and people that that was a thing oh i gotta go out there and but my thing is i need to have a stable job like I have a stable full-time job. I'm yeah. working towards a promotion right now, which I think I'm getting. And hey. I want to be able to, you know, yeah, I still want to be able to do the acting thing, but I want to be able to make money first. And yes. then hopefully something down the line, it's like, it's a big gig where it's like, okay, I may need to like have some time off from work. And then mm -hmm. who knows, you know, there from there, where, what'll happen. But I, I just, you know, and big ups to people that they're able to go out there, afford it, and just do the whole acting thing and not have to worry about income like that. If You know, some people do it riskily because they may not even have money like that anyway, or some people are just fortunate enough to 
say I don't need to work right now, but focus right. on my passion. I'll but, sleep on my friend's couch for a month or whatever and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't do that. <laughs> Me either. I mean, I I don't think it's necessarily constructive. You know, I've heard people say before that, you know, if you're gonna if you have a safety net, you're gonna fall back on it. And I believed that for a long time and I don't believe that anymore. I think that's, I think that's a little too all or nothing. I think that a balanced approach is sometimes the right path. Some people need to throw themselves yeah. out there and just go screw it. I'm buying a bus ticket. I'm going to get off the bus in LA and that town might chew me up, and spit me out, or I might make it. I'm going to go for it. And some people need that. And I respect it. That's not the way I operate. I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm a little more risk averse than that. I'm not scared to take a chance, but I'm not going to put everything on one pivotal thing. Cause I think that's, that's for me, that's a little too hasty. Yeah. I, I, at least I know I can do that too. Like yeah. just definitely just can't. Well, that's part of what's been interesting for me as a composer because, you know, in, in some ways, yeah, all roads still lead to L.A. and somewhat New York. Uh, but, you know, I live in Charlotte, you know, and I've been here most of my life and there's no film production of any substance happening here in Charlotte. Not really. I do have some local directors that I've worked with, but it's not like, you know, we're getting uh, we're, we're doing TV shows here. Nobody's shooting entire movies here. Every once in a while, they kind of get something, but it's more like a location thing. So for a long time, all roads led to L.A. And if you were going to be a professional composer, you had to be out there. And for major A-list stuff, you sure do. But now with technology and the Internet and like this, we can have a conversation like this. And you and me can just message back and forth the way we do. And it doesn't matter where I am. And I can make the music and get it to you and tweak it and change it. I don't have to be there with you exactly. in your city. So I don't have to live in LA. I don't have to live in New York. I can live wherever I want, as long as there's an internet connection and uh, cell service and I can get my stuff to you. And there's, and there's been a reluctance of that. A lot of folks in the music and in, in the uh, film industry and TV industry eventually wouldn't even initially wouldn't give you a, a second glance at that. Where are you from Charlotte? All right, screw you. Don't want to talk to you. Bye. And uh, that was frustrating for a while. Now I'm starting to see that begin to change a little bit. Uh, so it's kind of fun to watch the industry evolve in that way. And same with like, you know, look at, look at Netflix and Amazon. There was a time when man, to have a movie, you had to shoot that stuff and you had to get it picked up somewhere and you had to get it distributed out to theaters. That's the only way you could show it to people. You couldn't yeah. get it put on TV, you know, and, and now you now can do it. You can do, you can have like a short film, which I have uh, one of the guys that I worked with, James Perry, a friend. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, he's he's got at least I think two films on Amazon Prime at least. Like if he ever, does, man. He, he and I keep talking about I, I want to score one for him, but we keep being on different schedules. It's gonna happen, James. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, he has. You know, and I would love to do that, but I don't think I think my films are just good for YouTube right now. <laughs> I guess Dude, I think they're great. You know? Thank you. You know, I I don't know. I just I guess I get hesitant. But like I would love to. I, I know a lot of people that they post, oh, the film I'm in is Amazon Prime right now, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And I'm like, I mean, that's awesome. Even you know, a lot of uh, independent films, they're on Netflix. And to be able to, you know, right now I'm, I, I do write, as you know, obviously. And I currently copy wrote a feature script that I did a few years ago as a book when I was getting into self-publishing. Mm. And I turned that into a script, you know, and I, during quarantine, I had submitted it to copyright.gov. Oh. So it's, you know, I'm just waiting for that certificate to see that, that finalization, right. you know, because it's, it's taking a long time. It takes a long time, apparently. But yeah. It's, 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 it's gone through. I'm just got to have to wait for that certificate because then I want to be able to sell it. Mm -hmm. um, do I think it's gonna sell like ASAP I can put it out there no I you know you know I never you know think that way but I feel like it's so good that 
somebody could pick it up, like you know, sci-fi. You never or know. It, it could still be a Netflix thing. Yeah. Or if you know, but it has to fall into the right hands because then it could go into like Hollywood and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's um, you know, a lot of things is also like producers. Yeah. These people they take a lot of scripts and they fuck it up. They really do. Sometimes you go, man, that movie could have been great if only you know, they'd done this. You know? Oh, well, we wanted to add this or that. And it's like, but why did you do that? You yeah. should have just left it the way it was. And yep. you, you destroyed, you made the film bad and it could have been so much better. And that's the case with a lot of things. I get a little scared because of that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like even now I for that script, I'm working on, well, I don't know if it's being still worked on because relationship stuff just you know they mm-hmm, tend to yeah. fall and that's kind of reason but in my last episode i had mentioned that uh i was working with my you know my ex and her daughter she was doing the comic book for me oh cool based off that script and you know uh-huh. it, was, it was amicable amicable that we're not together and sure sure but you know i still want to i still want to work with you know the, her daughter on that yeah and, you know we came close and you know that's something that I'm gonna have to reach out and see how she's That's doing. A process. On that. Yeah, you know, it's pretty real reason. <laughs> I don't want to bring it up, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I won't probably, but exactly. I know what you mean. And that's that ebb and flow and the, and the relationships that you build professionally and the people you come into contact with. And sometimes you drift in and out of people's orbit. You know, there's people I've, there's guy like Chris Johnson. I've, I've done films for him uh, many over the years. Uh, and uh, there'll be times when I'm just too busy or he's doing something else and we'll kind of drift apart and we stay in touch, but we don't work on anything for sometimes a year or even more. And uh, then, you know, it just seems to line up and it's, free, it's all uh, the way those little Chris things Johnson, happen. Free your mind films. Yeah. Free your mind films. Yeah. yeah I've worked with him and two projects. We don't work together anymore. Um, yeah. But I worked with him on two projects and I've, I've heard your music from there and I've loved it then, you know, so like i like I, I it just hasn't it's not just my stuff but i've yeah seen if it more. wasn't for that for my relationship with him i think that's what i mean i think you were an actor in one of his films that i scored and i think that's where you and i first connected and then gypsy was in one and then you and she did kismet and then that happened so it's just it's funny all these relationships end up leading to other things and so and i just like being open that's to how it. it is yeah that's how it's been for like my career you know my film path I meet one person who opens the door to something else, who opens the door to something else. And it's like, it's a net, it's a network. That's what it is. Totally. Now, totally. Not, you're not always in these people's lives, you know, within that network, but then you build new relationships with other people and you, you know, you're in that network. And, you know, I, you never want to like be in bad blood with anybody. I yeah. can't say I've been in bad blood with anybody, maybe misunderstandings or just things just fall it, off. And that's what it happens. happens. Yeah. It happens, you know, and I've had it too. I've had a couple of relationships professionally where things soured for one reason or another. And it's not that we're necessarily trashing each other out there, but it's like, you know, we tried something. It didn't work. It's like any other relationship. Sometimes things just don't work out. And it's a, it's a real shame that it doesn't. You wish it could have become this thing you felt like it was going to. And sometimes it just doesn't work and you grow different directions and man, that's all okay. You know? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's cool. As long as everyone's still doing their own thing and, can move on to you know bigger and better stuff that's yeah i never wish bad upon anybody even if it's if i did have like a reason to like really not like somebody but i'm not a bad guy guy. yeah yeah, i don't (laughs) get that way because to have that in your heart or the hate and like that anger it's just it doesn't do any good for anybody and i know you know you, you i'm pretty sure you've experienced the feeling and it just 
Oh yeah. It's such a negative. It's so negative for yourself, and it doesn't yeah. heal you at all. It just brings you down, and that's kind of like I said for me in my early twenties. I needed to really tell myself, put myself out there. Yeah. Stop no, it's being awesome. In this I- funk. Not focusing on that on that negative stuff and p- kind of focusing more on the positive that makes you open to yeah. connections with other people, whether it's professional and whether it's personal or friendships or whatever. Just you have to have that openness, and you can't do that if you're focusing your energy on on holding on to this grudge or whatever. You know, there's a there's an old uh, I'm a big meditator guy. Uh, it's part of my personal you know development or whatever. And there's a saying that I like that says you know holding on to anger is like grasping a hot stone with the intention of throwing it at your enemy. Oh, wow. You're the one that's getting burned because you're holding on to it. And man, that's been a real refrain in my life because I'm like you, man. When I, when I was in my twenties, I'm 48 now, but when I was in my, my teens and twenties, I was full of piss and vinegar. I'm in a metal band and I'm just bad attitude and I would get mad. And I, I was almost proud of how well I could hold a grudge. I'm like, I've hated that guy for 15 years. He's a dick. You know, and I thought it was cool, you know, and, and, but you realize after a while you're carrying this weight, you're holding this on, you know? And so it's been a it's been a journey for me to learn to get away from those negative and insecure things. And as I've learned to let that go, it's just made me more able to be open to relationships and possibilities and art and, you know, energy and all that stuff. And so and I think that is all that process has led me up to things like this. I mean, you and me, I mean, what six, seven years ago, we didn't even know each other. And now yeah. we've done two films, two of your films together, getting ready to do a third there's something magic in there. I don't know how, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's a great relationship. I think you're awesome. And again, yeah. you know, where I wish I could, even though we've never met face to face. Yeah. I was just going to say, I would love to meet you sometime, <laughs> grab some beers or so. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I come up to New York whenever I can. I got a bunch of family still out on the Island. A couple family members live in the city. Uh, but uh, definitely, I mean, I, we, we've got to do that. We got to go get some food, get a couple pints together or whatever. It's going to happen. There's no yeah, question. You, you said you've been into New York. So have you gone to there's a there's a pub. It's like the oldest pub in New York. Mixed stories. Oh, I have not, but that's one of the ones on my list. I want to go there. Oh yeah. Let's go there. That, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> we just dropped uh, a plug. See that? You guys <laughs> gotta give us a free beer when we get there. We just we plugged your Mixed stories, yes. Um so actually something just came up to my Twitter right now. And I don't oh, yeah? I don't know who he is. I've heard of the name of the band. Maybe you've already know, but Fleetwood Mac founder Pete Green, Peter Green has died at seventy. Oh, Peter Green. Okay, yeah, Fleetwood Mac. I know for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he just he's died recently. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, a like, lot I of. Think, I can't remember if he was sick or not. I think he might have been. Yeah, I, I can't it, remember. That's probably like the third. Uh, um, as far as the realm of music, the third person this year that I've seen. Pass. Oh yeah, I know. They always seem to go in threes. You know, ugh, it's a shame. That's but I guess we, you know, when your time's up, your time's up. We only get one, we only get one chance around the ride. Yeah, so, and time you know. is flying. As I, I'm 34 now, and I'm like, mm. but I just turned 30. <laughs> like, time yeah, right. is flying. And right now we're at what? We're in July. By the time you know it, it's God. already Thanksgiving and Happy New Year's 2021. Coronavirus oh, is back. Yeah, especially this year, man. Because I mean, I mean, I think we're all the same way. We've been on quarantine down here since like. You know, I said it's early back March. and it hasn't even gone yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy. And so the, the days and the weeks melt together. I can't believe it's just about to be August. It seems like it just turned 2020 and we're saying Happy New Year. Look yeah, what happened. you know, <laughs> March is the longest month. And this year it was even longer because of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was just so bad. March was a really bad month for me. And, and yeah. 
it was I, I'm a I'm not a homebody. I need to be out, which is it's not always great because then you spend money and waste money. But well, sure. I'm the type of person that I need to be outdoors. I need to just travel somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the only great thing about quarantine, besides the unemployment at the time, mm-hmm. was I did get the rest that I did need. Yeah, you I recharged to, your batteries. I needed to recharge my batteries, but it got overcharged. So when I finally was like stepping out to walk, my legs was like, wow, you need to get used to this again. Because I was in bed most of the time. Yeah. Just in bed on my on my switch, watching, you know, Netflix. If I got up, it was to the restroom or to the kitchen. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I, I tend to say from my professional job, I work from home anyway. I worked from home before this. I have for the last several years. Okay. So I've gotten kind of used to being in the house, but even still, I generally, before the, the quarantine and everything, I would get out often to see friends and stuff. So it wasn't a, a huge hard transition to get used to just hanging at home and watching Netflix or whatever all the time, playing music. But boy, that couch gets real comfortable and suddenly your Uber eats this and DoorDash and that. And <laughs> yeah, eating that like crap. And then, you, then you go to the doctor and he looks at me and goes, uh, you're picking up a little weight there, aren't you? And you go, oh, shit, I guess I gotta, gotta get out and start walking again, you know? Yeah, I just bought an Apple Watch, and I'm like, it's telling me the awards that I'm winning, that I've mm-hmm. gotten for like, oh, you're you're standing this amount of time, or you're you know walking this amount of time. Because I, I love walking. I'm a really? walker. Me too. So I don't really care about like Fitbits and stuff, but it just comes built in the Apple Watch. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess that's cool. Heck yeah, no, I'm the same way. I, I have a Greenway right behind. Uh... My, my neighborhood here actually there's a path out my back door that leads to it and it goes nine miles through the woods and it goes down under like it's right in the middle of the city i'm i'm in the university area of charlotte which is a pretty big up and coming area but the the greenway goes under you know the light rail tracks it goes under the interstates and stuff so it's this neat little wooded thing that's right in the heart of the city so i can go out there all the time and just either just walk and think or sometimes you know i'm listening to a piece of music i'm riding on headphones and I hear it differently when I'm out walking around in nature versus sitting here in front of the monitors going, why is that flute part bothering me? And I'll I'll be grinding on it, grinding on it, grinding on it. And then I'll just go, let me put the earbuds in and go out and walk and listen to it. And sometimes that's just what it'll take. You just got to look at it differently, get out, get moving, something about that. Nice. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, hopefully things will pick up for both everyone, you know, this year. I think they will. It's just a matter of time. Are you a movie guy? Do you like watching movies? Yeah. Like oh yeah, definitely for sure. I'm dying right now. I mean, I miss my theater. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. I'm so upset that Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghostbusters. I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. Me too. Part three was pushed back to next year. I would have been seen it already. I know. I mean, I did. I did spoil myself a couple of years ago, and I got a ridiculously big, like, seventy-inch flat-screen TV for my living room. It was like nice. I got a good tax return, and I was like, I'm gonna spend it on myself, and I got a nice sound bar with a big subwoofer so it's not i'm not saying it's as good as a movie theater you know but it's better than the tvs i've had in the past so that's made it a little easier for me i can just crank that thing up and you know rumble the living room floor sort of like a movie theater but i miss okay. going to see stuff in a theater too i do i you know my screen. thing i love being among people you know, yeah. you're not gonna talk to them but it's like you just you're all together watching something mm-hmm. and there's some type of camaraderie there, even though you're just focused on the screen, but the oohs and ahs and yeah, when everybody feels at the same time. And, and then same thing, like in addition to the film composing, you know, I do, I, I play gigs out at like pubs and things like that. Me and an old friend of mine reconnected. Uh, we, we knew each other 20 years ago and had a musical vibe and our past just took us different places. And we got back in touch uh, last fall and 
we get together and we started playing stuff and it really started to work. And so we posted a couple of videos of us just, just, you know, here in my living room playing acoustic stuff, doing some covers and we stuck them on our personal Facebooks. And we had like the, they were getting shared to people that we didn't even know. Like I had strangers sending me private messages going, this is great. You guys are awesome together. So that all really started to gel right at the beginning of the quarantine. That's and awesome. so now we're both just chomping at the bit to go play in front of a crowd, <laughs> but you can't. And I'm like, man, I wish, I wish we could play in front of a crowd again. I'm missing it. You know? Yeah. I mean, the good thing about the Facebook thing that it builds you, your, it builds uh, recognition up so that. Yeah. That, that's how we you, feel. Yeah. When you, once everything gets open again and then you, you can like post flyers and whatnot, people go, Oh yeah, we know you. Let's go check you out in person. So, you know, right. things will come. There's a positive to that. Yep. Again, all open to the possibility. That's it. And it's being open to it. It's going to happen, man. For all of us, for you, for me, for all, it's going to happen. Yeah. Just got to keep at it. That's all I say. That's right. I'm, I'm tenacious, bordering on stubborn. Sometimes <laughs> not, sometimes not bordering, sometimes straight up stubborn. But Yeah. I think if, if I could say that to myself. Stubborn is a word that I've been using. <laughs> Even at work, I have uh, one of my coworkers, she's lost prevention, but like we mm. keep in contact and Usually, like, we'll get, like, I, I like ice chai lattes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when I went to get my Apple Watch, I, I just, like, jumped from ice chai to Apple Watch. I just realized the Apple Watch story is better. It makes more sense <laughs> for the stubbornness. So she's yeah. telling me about go to Best Buy. I'm like, well, I could just go to Apple. But you're right in Union Square where Best Buy is at. Why don't you just buy it? <laughs> it's right there. So I'm like, okay, fine. I go. They don't have the, the one that I want. So I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to go anyway to the Apple store on 8th Avenue. 14th Street. She's like, but you're what I want. To... Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're going to Soho and there's an app on Soho. So why don't you just go there? I'm like, no, I'm going to the other one. So like that stubbornness is like, you know, you're going to go other way, but you're making trips to go farther back. And I'm like, but that's because I still have time to do what I got to do and yeah. to walk. <laughs> that's nothing wrong with that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same sometimes. I, if I feel, have a feeling, it's got to be like this. You know, I'm not an inflexible person, but sometimes you're like, nope, this is, I've got to go here. This is exactly what I want. And, you know, nothing else is going to do. Nothing else is going to do, you know, and this just works for me, for my mindset. Yeah, man. <laughs> me too. But, or even like, the, okay, so the iced chai lattes, it's like, I like, I got into matcha, iced matcha. I've never had that. It's, it's good. I like it. At first, I thought it was going to be nasty, but it's actually refreshing. To yeah. me, it's not like a juice drink, but yeah. it's good. And usually she'd be, like, "Oh, you want this?" And I'm like, <laughs> "So it's not stubborn." More as I realize, I I have my drink on the table and her You're drink on the table. But I grab my drink to go to the office, and she's like, "Damn, you didn't bring mine, and I bought it for you." <laughs> so it's like, you know, sometimes you're my because I get caught up when I'm at work. Like right now, because I'm working on this promotion, there's so much mm-hmm. that I have to do. I'm like the ops guy. Right oh now. yeah, and so all eyes are on you right now. Technology, and I'm gotta mm-hmm. fix things. So the thing is, my my boss knows that I'm just I'm working on it. She just told me recently, like you know, you're owning it, uh, and you know when we can, I'm gonna have AOR time, which is area of responsibility, mm. to give to you, so you we can work on what days you need for yourself when you're not on the floor leading. Because you know I work in yeah. public, and I'm a service leader too. Oh okay. So she's like, you know, when you're not leading the floor on your hours, let's work on your time and i haven't really had that time so i've been able to like write things down that i need to do and i'm trying to get everything done but it's just there's so much going on right now at the store and it's like i get i it's a little overwhelming in that i know i'm doing a good job because i've been service leading for the past month or like an hour kpis and all that stuff is great Mm -hmm. she said and 
I take I like to take a lot of the credit because I've been the one that's been most active on the floor. Yeah, so you it's like. But I'm like, but I, I I need my time. Like you have to give me my AOR time. I need to. Last night I was supposed to update all the iPods. Out of the twenty, only five updated. So I had to write a note like, hey, the Wi-Fi network, and I had to leave at eight thirty. So it's not like I could stay there to figure out what's going on. Right. You have a box. You have a limited time that you can do yeah, to accomplish and, anything. You know, yeah. we're closing earlier, so it's like I just wrote a note like, listen, I know you told me you needed this by today, but. 15 iPods don't want to update for whatever reason. So <laughs> I can't call store support and this and that right now. But I love it because right now I'm, I'm talent lead and, you know, I focus on the talent aspects. That's awesome. But now with and the, the fact promotion, that you, and look, it's, it's coming on this promotion. Like that's, that's coming to fruition. I know I don't want to jinx it for you, but yeah. it sounds like it's moving that way. And that's because of your effort and your focus and your tenaciousness or, or, or tenacity rather, and, or stubbornness, you know, any of that stuff. How are you going to say it? <laughs> No, and what's funny was that I was, you know, coming back from work after the quarantine when I got called, I was a little, my feeling was the opposite. And, you know, I did have a one-on-one with my manager and it was like, I had to let it out. And I think that's what it turned me into being more optimistic, actually. Because mm. I was on the negative thing, side of things. And, you know, yeah. I was like, listen, this, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, having at least spoken, because you have to have that relationship with your coworkers and managers. And, but even though I did realize not everyone's your friend, it's, oh, God, you know, things is work. I realized that also, but you still have to have a level of, I need to come to you for this. You know, it's based mm-hmm. on work. Come on, we need to work together. And me doing that, it gave me more an optimism and it really changed my mood. And mm-hmm. then like a week after that, I was offered this possible promotion. Like, See? so it really helped and I'm really grabbing it by the horns and, so, you know, work-wise on that, I'm feeling really good. And, you know, the whole filming thing, I'm, I'm still in the festivals at least. And the only thing that sucks is that these festivals were pushed back. I should have been in two already, festivals, <laughs> you know, and now i got to wait. But yeah, kind of, again, that whole film thing is the whole industry is kind of ground to a, a they're halt all, in yeah, some ways. halt right now. But, you know, I'm, I'm really positive about a lot of things. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know. And hopefully maybe all this stuff, I mean, it sounds so cliche and you hear it all the time. But, you know, I... I like to look, I like to look for the positive aspects and the silver linings. And I just kind of hope that maybe just a little bit people not being able to go and enjoy films and theaters again and not being able to have film festivals and stuff, not having that ability for this time. I hope that makes at least some people appreciate it even more. And you know, I, I said that I did say that to myself the other day, like all the things that we can do right now, hopefully there's such an appreciation that it elevates business as well. Because a lot of people are really flocking to these things and taking their time out to, you know, buy these tickets or, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's things can turn around for the better, you know, unless we're getting the next 2020 incident is aliens invading and then it's like, good Lord, I know. (laughs) (laughs) know. Have you been seeing UFO stuff on Facebook posts? I've been getting a lot of alien things that's going on, like. Oh, black black cube by the sun seems to be siphoning off energy, but then they're saying it's a speckle of dust on the infrared lens or some crap. I'm, I'm going to have to go look off. that up now. So. Yeah, oh, there's like so much activity going on. Like the moon, there's a structure. It's actually a base. And it's like, okay, are these things that people are seeing that they assume or these are stories made up? <laughs> or shit real and... These are real. Yeah. And it's like, it's, <laughs> it's so more, it's more active now that I feel like even the Pentagon, when they released documents and stuff like that i read something that oh you know not 
objects not man-made like are from um, released in the pentagon and it's like what the hell's going on like i really do believe there are aliens i know it's a whole jump of something but i just feel like after everything this year like even more stuff is coming out as well i'm getting at it's it's a really strange pivotal time and we're we're living through a very historic time i mean they're going to be talking about this for this is going to be in history books you know what i mean kids kids are going to be taught this you know you mean you guys all sat in your houses for seven months or whatever yeah, that was crazy you know <laughs> yeah the quarantine you know the, the whole george george floyd and all the other incidents oh, the rioting like oh. all that this year it was it's such a bad year but at the same time it's such it's it's something i want to say i don't want to say it was needed like none of these things it, i think it happen. was but yeah. what i mean is that these things that happened had need to happen for eyes to be open further or really things to be put in perspective like this needs to stop now yes i think that i'm of the opinion that any growth comes with some pain right and so like i'm 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 48 i was born in 1972 so right after the 60s which was a very similar time of a lot of pain and a lot of upheaval you figure the vietnam war and look at you know the women's liberation movement the sexual revolution and all those things that were happening at that time those that was scary and there was the same kind of things there was military coming after peaceful protesters, you know, and shooting them with tear gas. And then you have all these mass shootings that are happening. And the very, there's a lot of interesting parallels between that time and what we're going through right now. And when you look at how much that period in our lives, and I'm not a big historian, but when you look at how much that mid to late sixties, early seventies really changed American culture, I, I think dramatically for the better, that that's that was important there had to be some of that pain there had to be some of that hurt and heartbreak and in that area and so as much as i don't want to see anybody get hurt and i certainly don't want to see anybody be killed yeah we're not condoning the idea that it's happening yeah but i'm I'm acknowledging that you know the fact that this happened and the fact that it has captured the nation's attention in an energetic way where we're pulling together and going we're not going to accept this anymore this is not okay you know and Believe me, man, being here in the South, I mean, I know it's everywhere. Charlotte's pretty progressive because it's a big city. Uh, but a lot of the surrounding areas down here, there's some people down here who uh, they didn't get the message that the war is over. you know. And so there's some people down here that are really hanging on to the old ways of thinking with regard to you know, police should be able to do whatever they want. Yeah. And having opinions of people of different you know, backgrounds and ethnicities and things like that. And But you know what? Those voices are getting drowned out every day. By those of us going, man, we're not going to do this. This is not how we're going to be. We're not going to be a nation of hate. We're not going to be a community of people who just don't care about each other. I'm just not going to do it. I have no, and there's nothing anybody can say to make me be that way. And I'm going to, you know, if that guy's going to yell, I'm going to yell louder. And you, yeah. good luck, you know. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like uh, at this point, it's like I don't want to move from New York, but New Zealand sounding pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it's lovely there. You know, I haven't been yet. My friend went. She had sent great pictures. Wow, I would love to go to New Zealand. That's because of Lord of the Rings, but I'm hearing great things about them right now too. Do you do much traveling, like a, like for fun or anything like that? Or so vacation? I have a passport that I renewed last year, and it was I was supposed to go to Italy for a friend's a wedding. Oh, yeah. I ended up getting married back at home in LA, and I didn't get the chance to go. But mm. I have an empty wall, uh, empty passport, even from before when I had a passport and I never used it. Like I want to travel, <laughs> but I haven't had the I, you know, I'm not the, the type of person to travel alone. So if I don't have anybody to travel with, I guess I'm not traveling. That's yeah. Kinda, yeah, that's kind of where I fall under. 
So I yeah, I, I haven't done any alone either. I mean, I, I travel alone for work, so some, but that's usually for work. You, know, you might get yeah. to enjoy the city a little bit in, in your spare time, but you're there primarily for work. So, but and I I didn't travel really very much for most of my life, mostly because I just couldn't afford it. You know, I didn't have the vacation time or whatever. And uh, so I haven't done much of it. But I've been to Ireland and I went to uh, Mexico City, really looking at wanting to. I want to visit Greece. You know, I, I mean, cities like Santorini and these beautiful places that I want to nice. see. And I. The times I have traveled, man, there really is something magic about that, too, especially as an artist. I think that as you do that, you'll probably hopefully you have the same experience where it's just, you know, seeing a different culture, hearing a different language, different foods, smells. Definitely. I think Ireland and yeah. New Zealand and Paris, like those, I, I think I would, I would get that when I'm out yeah. there. Yep. I got a long list. It keeps getting longer and longer. I keep adding to the list of places. I'm like, man, my bucket list is getting long, but, you know, that's fun. Yeah, like I think the farthest I've traveled from New York was Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I hated Florida. Like I've parts of Florida, Florida are nice, and parts of it are pretty crappy. So I was yeah. in Orlando and it Ugh. rained the whole week, and I didn't get to go to the stu- Orlando Studios like I wanted to. Oh yeah, you know mm-hmm. when we Universal. got there, I remember. I, yeah, I told my cousins when we got there, "Hey guys, there's a storm coming. Let's go right now while we're here." Oh, we got a week. I'm like, guys, look at the storm. It's, it's Florida. Look at the TV, but nobody listened to me. And then, <laughs> what could I, you possibly know? Yeah, we were stuck in the hotel. We visited my aunt at least once. I'm like, oh, I guess you, I could have just stood home. As a film guy, too, you, I tell you, because I took my daughter uh, when she was you know, several years ago. She was younger. I took her down to Universal Studios. And as a film guy, you're going to so dig that. Like, especially like, are you a fan of the Harry Potter films at all? I'm a fan, not crazy, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you, you can at least, you appreciate him. So like yeah. the sections of that park that they did, like they recreated that Diagon Alley, that whole place where he goes and buys oh, his yeah, wand. Yeah. And, and I tell you, you feel like you're walking onto a movie set. Like it's crazy how immersive it is. Just that section of the park, you're like, holy crap. And I just, this past January, I took my daughter down to Disney and we went to the Star Wars area and being a kid of the 70s and I'm a dude. How I'm, was that? Oh, dude, it was awesome. It was aw- same thing. Like, you couldn't believe it. Like, you couldn't believe you were like, I feel like I'm hanging out on a film set. It's just this loaded with people. And there's these cool rides. I couldn't get on. What's the big one? The uh, I can't think of the one big ride. The wait for it was like 150 minutes. Oh, and there was no fast passes. And I'm like, look, I'm sure it's great. I'm not standing here for 150 minutes to get on this ride in the heat. I'm not doing I want to say the millennium, is the Millennium Falcon. That's the one. Yeah, 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 that's the one. I wanted to ride it and I couldn't. But Damn. we we rode one of the others. It was great, man. It was really cool. I recommend it. Yeah, you know, like that. It was really disappointing. I couldn't go, and I'm like, I, next time I travel out there, it would be because of that, really, not just to go to Florida. Because people are like, oh, Florida, I'm going to Florida. I'm like, screw Florida. Like, yeah, I don't care about you know? that. I don't yeah. care. I'm not a beach guy, really, so I don't really care about Miami. Oh yeah, I I dig the beach. See, that's the cool thing about Charlotte is we're we're like three and a half mile, three and a half miles, three and a half hours from the beach. And we're about two hours from the mountains. So I can get to both really easily. So I, okay. I like both energies as kind of a counterbalance sometimes. I'm hoping to go to – actually, I'm hoping to go to the mountains just for a vacation just to unplug in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, I, I think I'm more of a mountain guy. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that, you know, altitude affecting attitude or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for joining me this episode. Yeah. I have to head out, get ready. It's Saturday. That's I'm probably right. off. That's and right. I, you better enjoy was, this day, man. <laughs> it was a long work week. I had like six days straight of work, and I'm not off again until next Thursday and Friday. So, man, I, was, I go back on call Monday morning. So I'm going to enjoy the rest of my weekend too. But no, <laughs> I, I thank you so much for uh, for inviting me and and giving me all this time and and 
you know, you and me getting to talk back and forth like this really for the first time. Yeah, this is know, awesome. Face face. This is awesome. So I can't <laughs> can't wait to keep doing it, keep working with you. I look forward to working on Aries and uh one of these days we're gonna have that pint, man. I'm telling you, we're doing Definitely. it. Definitely. McSorley's we're coming for you. <laughs> That's right. All right, Mike, thank you so much again. And guys, thank you for listening to episode 11. As always, till next time, later. <laughs>